Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Week in Markets. I am Richard Tang, the China strategist and the head of research in Hong Kong for Julius Baer. Now, the investing world is all focused on this SVB issue, so this is what we're going to discuss this week. The Silicon Valley Bank, or SVB in short, is the second largest bank failure in the U.S. history, right after the Washington Mutual Bank failure in 2008 during the global financial crisis. It is not one of the global systematically important banks. It is a regional bank focused on serving the startups in the Silicon Valley with an asset size of just over $200 billion as of end of last year. So how did this problem happen all of a sudden? And is it going to have widespread contagion impact? Now, let's take a look. We should first understand the structure of this SVB's balance sheet. And as of the end of last year, the asset of SVB is comprised of slightly more than $70 billion of net loans, around $14 billion of cash balance, and almost $120 billion of investments. And most of them are in treasury and government-backed securities. Now, these are supposedly safe assets, and as I'm sure most of you would agree. However, over the past year, we have experienced sharp rise in the interest rate, so the prices of these bonds have gone down quite meaningfully. And SVB has incurred quite a significant amount of unrealized losses. Now, in theory, as long as we hold these bonds until maturity, the unrealized losses will not have to realize but the trigger came in on the liability side. In fact, after SVB announced its capital raising plan, customers, i.e. on the liability side, rushed to take their deposits back from the bank. And there is one special feature about SVB's deposit base in which less than 10% came from retail. The deposit composition is actually heavily concentrated in a few startups, mostly in the tech and pharmaceutical sectors. So, Withdrawals from a few deposit customers already got SVB closer to the breaking point, and then SVB was forced to sell its bond holdings and realize the losses that they could have avoided if they managed to hold them to maturity. And the losses are actually large enough to wipe out the capital of the bank, so this is how SVB failed. Now, one statistic was widely circulated over the weekend that the U.S. banking system now has $620 billion of unrealized losses. This number sounds scary, but we think it may be misleading. As I just mentioned, the banks only had to realize those losses when they had to sell their holdings before maturity. SVB was forced to do that because of its unique asset liability structure, but that's not shared among most other banks, especially the large ones. We don't think the large banks share the same potential problem, And in fact, a stress testing exercise on the tier 1 capital ratios will prove our point. Guess what is the tier 1 ratio for SVB before its failure? It was 12%. And that makes it at par with a lot of other large banks such as JP Morgan or Citigroup. However, when we adjust the tier 1 ratio of SVB by the unrealized losses, the tier 1 ratio just fell all the way to zero. But if you did the same exercise across the other US banks, Not surprisingly, most of them still have tier 1 ratios falling a little bit, but none of them went down as much as SVB. And in particular, the large banks actually show strength in this stress testing exercise. So we would conclude that this problem is SVB specific. 
In any case, the U.S. authorities have already come up with the measures to backstop the SVB problem and actually effectively contain the contagion in our view. Now, to many people's surprises, the regulators actually pay all the deposits, including the uninsured part as well. And we believe that this is to maintain confidence of the depositors and to make sure that this does not become a systemic issue. As of today, share prices of small banks are still tumbling, but large banks have significantly outperformed, which is in support of our view that the large banks are actually fine. Also, if we look at the broader market, notwithstanding all these challenges, the broader U.S. market indices actually haven't fallen as much. And then that brings us another question. If the unrealized losses to a large extent were caused by the Fed hiking too much, does this SVB incident help slow down the pace that the Fed would raise interest rates? And the market says yes. The Fed fund futures have now taken down the expectations on the terminal rates meaningfully from 5.7% last week to all the way around 5.1% now. And more market participants uh, think that the Fed will be more tolerant to high inflation. So instead of sticking to a 2% target, we think eventually they may simply have to accept 3% is already a reasonable number for U.S. inflation. Meanwhile, the 10-year Treasury rates fell back from around 4% to now below 3.6%, pressing close to the prior low in the yields. Obviously, this is good news to fixed income invest. Previously, they suffered from heavy mark-to-market losses because of a much more hawkish Fed. And now they recover those losses with the recent moves. And we think that the SVB incident may actually strengthen our thesis that 2023 is going to be a year of fixed income. Carry is decently attractive, and the volatility of the bond prices may also be less stressful going forward, at least in the near future. Now, for U.S. equities, obviously, we have to bring in the other side of the equation, which is growth. We're still in the camp that U.S. will avoid hard landing. And in fact, we can start seeing some of those evidence from the recent data points. Now, the non-fund payroll number released last Friday is way above expectation. However, the wage growth has slowed and the unemployment rate has also increased. At first glance, it just seems a little bit internally inconsistent. But the reason is that the labor supply is now increasing. We observe that the labor participation rate has been increasing for a few months already in the U.S., and the supply response may result in a gradual deceleration of the price pressure, bringing us closer to soft landing. So if a base case of no recession is correct, we would argue that the earnings downgrade cycle in the U.S. has likely passed through the midpoint already, and we may be closer to a renewed rebound in the U.S. stocks. Now, before we close, we do want to give you an update on the China market. We remain of the view that the Chinese stocks will go up again after the current consolidation, but With the worsening China-U.S. tension and also the weaker sentiment in the U.S. due to SVB, we do recognize that there is a risk of the consolidation lasting longer. But in any case, we have observed that the property market is now finally showing some green shoots, and this is quite important to the overall economic recovery. Also, the new premier expressed a much more pro-growth stance at his first press conference, and we expect policy loosening to step up again after the formation of the new government, as well as the completion of the restructuring of the state council institutions. That will bring us to the early part of Q2 as the potential timing of a renewed rally in China market. All right, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next podcast. Goodbye for now. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Baer experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective. Whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement, 
or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.